Welcome to another week of Life Until Death. Welcome, I'm Nicole. I'm Rachel, slightly hungover again. Apologies in advance. <laughs> Welcome to second lockdown almost. Yay. Yay. Get your pre-drinks in before second lockdown. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over here talking about the dangers of alcoholism. And I'm just engaging in the alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, I think I'll dabble today. I might have a little smidgen of alcoholism. Mm, no, seriously, it's horrible. But... I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's not what this show is about today. No. This show comes right on the heels of Halloween. Spooky. Spooky. Nothing is spookier than quarantine Halloween. Nothing is spookier than watching Mr. Boris Johnson <laughs> fucking flail around like some public school cunts turning us that we're all fucked for the next month. Uh, Thanks, Boris. Thank you, Boris. Happy fucking Halloween to Yay. you too. So, our theme today is fear. Fear, yes. Did I say that scary enough? I fear. have nothing that scares me anymore. My fear response is gone. It's gone. Okay, what if I said it in a posh voice, like, fear? Like a a Boris Johnson voice. How does he say it? Oh, he sort of... He just just opens his mouth and it's like... (laughs) Waka waka. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Shit. So, I had a inside Halloween, and we dressed up, and we... Did a little candy hunting around the house and played some games and watched some Halloween sort of shows and things. How about you? Um, I went out for a meal in a Transylvanian themed restaurant. You went to that one last I've year, didn't there, you? I've been there, yeah. Yeah. How did you find it? It was okay. My friends had like this bread thing. It was soup served inside bread. Yeah, bread bowl. Yes. Is and that it was so weird? No, well, it's a bit of novelty. It doesn't. It's not something you see all the time. But yeah, they were really, really fucking full. Like seriously well, full. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> a fucking loaf of bread with soup in it. But no, those are pretty like like if you go out to certain restaurants in the states, like you get like clam chowder in a bread oh, bowl. Oh fuck me! Oh, get mm, in my face hole. So good. Yeah, I love. Romanian food, actually. It was like, good. It, I mean, for a vegan option, it was basically beans, 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 bread, carb, beans. Yeah. But it was nice beans. They were tasty. I And I was surprised with, because I have a lot of weird diet things, and I was really surprised when I went to um, Romania how many options there were for me and how fresh everything was. I mm. guess I just assumed that going to that part of Europe, it would be a lot of, like, stews and, like, you know, like... Um, kind of a Hungarian sort of thing because Romania kind of is unique in that it takes cultures it's been occupied by so many different cultures that they're kind of a hodgepodge Mm. like culture hodgepodge Hodgepodge. Um, no you sound like Boris fucking Johnson (laughs) oh shit (laughs) so I thought the food was going to be more like I don't know shit Slavic or Mm. something but it was it was all so like just fresh and great salads. And I was like, what is this? It was way better than anything you can get in this country. Like, sorry. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys have a very. Particular... We don't need this today, Nicole. You have a very particular taste. Yeah. Bland. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was. No, it was really good. I enjoyed it. That was... We we did have a weekend in a, a five star hotel. Yeah. Um, stayed on the 15th floor. 
drank half a bottle of Jack Daniels, vomited in the sink, and then used my boyfriend's toothbrush to try and unblock the sink. Luckily, he's a really nice person. <laughs> wow. I think I would it would have been Dumpsville for you yeah. if I were your boyfriend, but... Yeah. Well, we live and learn. <laughs> yeah. Not for long, if you keep drinking like Oh, that. fuck off. Oh, it's, it's like a toss the coin. You either get the really, really fun, extrovert, lovely, let's go and dance on tables to S Club 7 drunk, or the horribly life-shattering, I'm either going to piss in a bin or vomit in a sink in the five-star hotel, and then cry for hours See, irrationally. You can do all of those things without alcohol, though. Why would I piss in a bin unless I was pissed? I've pissed in a bin before. Like, not pissed. Did you really need a tinkle and you couldn't find anywhere else? Well, actually, or was it someone's bin that you really didn't like? You're like, I'm just going to piss in your bin. <laughs> Once I did come home, I got dropped off and I could get in the... This was back in the States. So I got dropped off at my house after getting so drunk. And I had my car key and I had the code for the garage. So I could get in the garage. I could get in the car. But I couldn't get in the house because I didn't have a house key. Oh, fuck. So I slept in my car overnight because it was too late to call anybody. I had to poop really bad the next morning. So I pooped in a bucket (laughs) that was in the garage. (laughs) And I, like, put it outside, like, way far away. And then I called somebody to come that had a copy of my key to come. So they had to come inside your shitty sinking No, I put the bucket away. And you know how I disposed of that bucket? I literally just put it in a trash bag and put it out with the rest of the trash. <laughs> that, that's probably the best way it could have yeah, been done. I was like, I'm not, not going to wash this. that out. Oh, oh God, the poop bucket. But yeah, I felt like I was a prisoner, like <clears throat> in my own garage. Well, <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is taking a really weird turn. All the fear. Well, I'm, I'm scared of shit. This is what, so this is the fear thing, isn't it? This is what drinking does. I'm afraid of the consequences of my own actions. So, <laughs> And me. <laughs> yes. Actually, yeah. So why don't we move on then? Let's do this. Let's, um, what are you afraid of, Rachel? Uh, shit. I'm, I'm quite frightened of, of shit? shite. I just, I, it bothers me. The thought of anyone else shitting, like, physically makes me feel like I want to cry from the inside. What else am I scared of? Air raid sirens, but I think everyone should be frightened of those. It's not exactly fuck off with that. I will kick you right in the badge. <laughs> but I think that's a normal thing. Like nothing good's gonna happen when you hear a fucking air raid siren. Do you sometimes get triggered by like cows, like when they start like, <laughs> and you're like, oh my god, I'm not like, again. Um, no. What else am I frightened of? Human emotion. <laughs> that one's a bit triggering for me. So unpredictable. Nothing else, really, I don't think you. I'm afraid of outer space. Really? It's so big and dark. It's just and quiet. And it goes on forever, like, well, kind of. But it might as well so be like, forever. Like the third of your, of your degree. <laughs> yes. It's fast and silent. <laughs> I am afraid of deep water also the same sort of reason yeah, yeah. like 
like if I was in the middle of the ocean just swimming around, I would be terrified. Like I can do like the beach and stuff, but like if I can't see the water around me, I'm like, uh, mm-hmm. um, I'm afraid of bits, like food bits. Food bits. So, oh, oh my God. So like bits and orange juice and stuff. No, 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 no. Like, like washing up. Oh, my nan was like that. Like, she had proper fucking concerns about it. I can't. I it. can't. Uh, and like, you know, if I'm giving a patient a drink or something and they get like crumbs back in the water, uh. I can't look at it. I can't. I'm just like, oh, oh, oh. I'd rather, I'd rather wipe somebody's ass a thousand times, not and in a row, because that would, that would hurt Ooh, them. Chafe. Um, but then look at that cup. Like, I can't do it. And if I'm in the shower, it's the same with like going to the public swimming pool. And, like, if there's, like, a hair or, like, a fluff on the ground and I step on it. Oh, no, oh I'm not okay God, with that. Oh, my God, kill me. I'm not okay with that. Kill me. Like, seriously. I have to say, if you ever really fuck me off and we go to a restaurant together, you know, at the end of the pandemic slash whatever world, I'm very discreetly going to look you in the eye and backwash my drink in front of you. I can't even, I can't drink, I can't drink after... Drew and I have really I've like done unspeakable things with Drew and <laughs> I can't I can't drink his cup afterwards I can't drink from my own child's cup if they've drunk from really? it I can't I can't do it oh babe yeah do you want a drink no fuck <laughs> off <laughs> but is that really a fear it's not so much a fear as like a uh, revulsion yeah I was thinking about was... how it's funny how our fears change like when no, I've been the air raid siren thing forever, but I think that's kind of normal. I mean, like, generally, like, children are quite afraid of... Basal things, aren't Monsters. They? Like, yeah. Things that aren't, definitely aren't real. Scary dogs, animals. Well, dogs are real, but, you know, like, <laughs> more anim- more stuff that's, like, basic, like, yeah. fear. And then adults are afraid of, like, Extra-sensual. people. Yeah. Like, other people. Like, <laughs> scared it's scared of humanity. Yeah, it's that's like when, frightened. Exactly. It's like when you, you grow up and you, like, learn what fear really is what what should you be scared of in 2020 oh yes not washing your fucking hands oh shit jesus christ but yeah no i think i've got a a lack of fear which is unhealthy for dangerous situations but yeah just don't put me in front of a fucking air raid siren (laughs) or an emotionally charged situation because i will weep but yeah, no, that leads very nicely onto the life of Kathleen Munro. Um, this article was by Anxi- uh, AnxietyCanada.com um, on the 12th of August 2020, so relevant. And it's called What Do You Do If You're Anxious About Re-Entering the World? Um, by Ashley Larder. Is that Larderer? Larder. Laderer. 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 Also an article on selfhelp.com. Kathleen Munro is a youth network ambassador. She shares her experiences learning about panic attacks and how to manage them. This post was part of a blog series dedicated to sharing personal stories, journeys and insights about mental health and anxiety from members of their community. She says, I woke at 3am. I think she's, oh God, I thought she said on a pink eye then, on a red (laughs) eye. (laughs) Oh God, it begins already. On a red eye. Still half asleep, I suddenly noticed how cold I was. Shaking, actually. I noticed my hands were trembling. I tucked myself under my sweater and tried to take some deep breaths. It didn't help. I looked down to find my legs uh, shaking terribly as well. Not wanting to disturb the man sitting next to me. The man sitting next... Oh. She's on a plane, fuck. I thought she was in bed. I was like... What do you think a red eye is? Oh, I didn't know. 
A red eye is a flight that they that's really late at night. Oh, I thought she was just in bed with a random man and she's getting all panicky. What's a what did you think a red eye was? I don't know, like a blinking or like I don't fucking know, Nicole. Anyway, okay. I I got up, I locked myself in the bathroom, and I thought I was having a seizure. I was flying alone that night. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I was flying alone that night. Uh, my boyfriend, who had been travelling with me for the past two weeks, had stayed in Colombia to visit his parents for a while longer. I was crying. I felt like I'd lost control of my body, and I was embarrassed. By, uh, embarrassed to ask the stranger to help me. I had no idea what was going on with myself. When I finally left the stall, a flight attendant passed me in the aisle and noticed I was trembling. She asked me if I if she should call a doctor. I agreed. Thus begun a very public triage of my seemingly inexplicable symptoms. This is what it's like living with anxiety. You see, at the time, I had no idea what I was actually experiencing was a panic attack. Towards the end of our trip, I had been sick with food poisoning that lasted days. I figured that the most logical explanation was that I was picking up some kind of tropical bug, or perhaps I was severely dehydrated. Uh, The countless tests and medical examinations upon arrival proved that the theory was wrong. It was just a mystery illness that stayed with me. On the streetcar back on the way to work, at the office, at parties, I had no relief. After reading countless articles in search of an answer, I eventually realised that these are panic attacks. I'd struggled with anxiety since university, but never on actually such a large scale. I had struggled before with racing hearts, an- racing hearts, racing heart, singular, <laughs> anxious thoughts and an inability to cope with the demands of a busy schedule. This was different. The lack of control I had over my physical response to anxiety left me feeling helpless. I couldn't commit to anything because I could end up in throes of panic at any time. I missed events with friends and I was embarrassed to admit that I was struggling. I was physically, emotionally exhausted and pretending to be okay and avoiding ma- and vo- to avoid making others uncomfortable. I struggled to feel safe, and this kept me from fully living. It took me months to admit I needed help. Unfortunately, when it comes to mental health, many barriers across access to care still exist. In addition to lingering social stigma around mental illness, the cost of care makes therapy difficult to access for many people, which is what we spoke about a couple of episodes ago. Yeah. Even as someone with health insurance, the cost of care is steep, and insurance often won't cover the cost of more than one or two sessions. Oh, you know, because usually after more than two sessions... I didn't know that. Sessions, That's fucking mental. Yeah. You know, you're wow. fixed after two sessions, obviously. That doesn't even scratch the surface. That's I haven't like, even started, like, listing off the fucking diagnoses I've I had know. over. That's like the beginning of the podcast, like, where we just talk bullshit. Like, that's two sessions right there. Like, Fuck. Man, your country's brutal. Um, She's in Canada. Oh, uh, okay. No, yeah, yeah, of course. It's my article. I should have known that. I think Canada has socialised medicine, though. Hmm. I don't know. It's from anxietycanada.com, so... Oh, yeah. Must be. So... That leaves many of us scrambling to find a way to pay for our pocket or simply learning to cope on our own. I was lucky enough to find an affordable support and to work with the cognitive behavioural therapist who helped me to learn to recognise and cope with my anxiety. Working with the therapist was immensely helpful. I was given practical tips of coping with panic when it arises and I was able to learn to recognise my own physical cues for anxiety. But more important, I was validated. The seemingly incomprehensible way I was feeling was validated. I didn't have to make sense. It was valid because I was feeling it. I learned I could meet the immense fear I was feeling with compassion and that actually often helped it subside. Today I'm speaking out for anyone who's been struggling in silence. Anxiety can leave you feeling like you are merely existing, getting by. 
not really living, but you're too scared to reach out and open up about your struggles. I understand, but I can also promise that there is relief on the other side. The more we open up about our experiences, the more that we open up about ourselves to a compassion, understanding the way forward. So, oh man, I've helped treat people having panic attacks. I'm sure you have as well. And I've had a few. They're fucking horrific. It's like, it's legit shit. Like, literally, the person's like, they're tachycardic, like, completely heart racing. I've never seen a heartbeat so massive. The person's shaking, sweating. Like, it's not, you know, I feel like sometimes people are like, oh, I have anxiety. Like, when they mean, like, it's like when people you have say, worries. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're worried. Oh, good. Me too. Or like, it's like when people say, oh, I have OCD. And it's like, no, you fucking oh, don't. Oh, you're a little bit OCD. Oh, so you've got <laughs> crippling compulsions. Have yeah. You? But like okay. a proper fucking anxiety attack. Yeah. Holy shit. And there's literally, there's not much you can do about it for people no. except help them hyperventilate and calm down. Like I can't, I've never had massive anxiety issues. I've had panic attacks. Mm. Um, a lot of panic attacks when I get really emotional and I'm crying I get frightened mm. and then the automatic response is, is like, like gasping for air and I can't catch breath it's it's terrifying breathe into a paper bag I'm, I do all that stuff but like it's like there's parts of my lungs that just close off oh, it's God, horrific it must be so scary it's horrible and then when you're crying covered in snot and you know oh. looking attractive but it's, yeah, and especially at the moment, I mean, there's there's people that I know that have got really quite significant health anxieties, but that's not completely unfounded at the moment. Definitely not. Like, where does the anxiety end and the reality begin? Because this reality we live in is enough to feel fucking anxious about. You know, it's uh-huh. those anxieties are fixed in re- reality, but I guess it's back down to grounding yourself. Mm. in something that you you can have some kind of control over yeah because that you don't we but don't nothing, have it so much there's a lot of things you can have control over that are very negative and harmful <laughs> well, yeah yeah so <laughs> finding something healthy that isn't damaging or self-destructive to control yeah. like i don't know what that would be like take up knitting i don't know fuck it out like, yeah, yeah i don't want to be that person to be like oh are you depressed or anxious here do a craft and you'll feel better i started lock picking yeah physical activity is yeah. a good one i know it's very hard to get out for a run or to do even a yoga mm. a yoga it's <laughs> do difficult. a yoga do a yoga it's difficult to do when you're feeling depressed, when you're feeling anxious. It's very hard, but the evidence is there that if you can manage to do even just a walk, yeah. just any kind of physical activity, you always feel better once you've actually done it. It will don't help. You? It will help. It's not going to cure you, obviously, but regular physical activity is one of the best things you can do for your mental and physical health. Mm. There's me on the soapbox. Again. I hit the alcohol. <laughs> I hit the alcoholism check. I hit the <laughs> physical activity check. Fuck. I'll do some smoking cessation <clears throat> in a minute. Oh, don't even start me on that <laughs> shit. <laughs> Fuck off. I'll have the chemicals. You can have the virtue. Okay. Okay, so the next article is first is completely normal to be nervous about leaving home right now. Why would the head be? Well, well, Boris, for a start, he's just lurking around oh, every God, corner no. with a sanitizer. So okay. it's human nature to have trouble coping with the uncertainty. Bridge. We view uncertainty as a potential threat. 
detrimental to our well-being. Sometimes our brain fills that uncertainty with catastrophic thoughts and possibilities. Do we need to do? Mm. <laughs> and if someone has already has a predisposition to anxiety, then this is heightened even more so for them. Anxiety does have a purpose, which is to keep us safe. In that way, it can motivate us to take action. Read being responsible and wearing a mask when we go out on social distancing and so on. It's when anxiety takes its like a life of its own and it interferes with the functioning that it becomes a problem. It's total and totally reasonable for us to be nervous and cautious when it comes to things reopening or shutting the fuck down um, <laughs> this, with days like this. We should be cautious and that's the only way we're going to stop the spread of the virus. But I'm realising that if I try to use my own anxiety in a practical way as a reminder to stay safe and follow precautions when I have to leave my home without letting it completely control me. But first I have to muster up the courage to get out there instead of bailing on plans every time. If you're in the same situation, here are some tips for calming anxiety when leaving your home. So limit your news access. I am a fucking nightmare for this. Every morning when I wake up, I'm on BBC News. Literally last thing I do to go to bed, BBC News. What are you a fucking stockbroker? Why do you need to watch the news that much? Um, I don't want. It's become news a compulsion. At all. Zero hours of news a week. I think I'm. I I feel quite um level headed about everything. I'm very good with the crisis and stuff, but I have waves like when it happens and the fear kicks in with stuff about this. It's like a huge, overwhelming terror. The TV news is garbage. I know. I, I know. read articles. I read articles online from trusted like news sites, but I don't watch TV news. Like mm. it's just for ratings. It's just I know. I it's know. It's just sensational, you know. But sometimes you just feel like it's the only thing you can gravitate towards. I suppose it can be comforting too to have it on the background. I guess. Mm. But yeah. So limit your news access. It just never ends, though. I know. That's what drives me nuts. Like, there's a 5 o'clock news, a 6 o'clock news, a 7 o'clock news. news. I know. That's the motherfucker I tune into. The news never stops. Like, Like, give me the tragedy now. I'm just like, I'll have an hour without news, please. No news. I'm like, just fill me up with the trauma. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so limit your access to news. Um, knowledge is power, and it's important to stay up to date on things like how coronavirus caseload is progressing in your area. Oh, that won't give you anxiety. Oh, um, but doing things like constantly checking death tolls uh, over and over again won't do your anxiety favors. No, because the deaths aren't the problem. It's the long COVID you got to oh, worry about. Stop! Fuck! It's that shit stays with you, and you have problems forever. It destroys your heart and your lungs with micro micro thrombi. I have anxiety right now, and I'm just trying to function till the end of the day. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to scare you, but Thank I'm just you. saying, if you're going to be anxious about something... At least be anxious about the shit that's really going to fuck you up. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. So, yes, um, <laughs> news o- overload can ser- um, ser- is a surefire way to get caught up in the worst-case scenarios. People recommend. List? <laughs> don't do a podcast with Nicole. <laughs> so limiting your access to unnecessary information um, that you know spikes your anxiety and only checking for necessary updates once or twice a day from reputable sources. So also label catastrophic thoughts. It's common for people with health anxiety or general generalized anxiety to think catastrophically. That is imagining the worst case scenarios and ruminating on them. People say to not only notice your catastrophic thinking, but also actually to label it as such. 
So you can say to yourself, oh, there it is. I've got a tendency to do this. I wasn't expecting you. Catastrophic thought. Do you imagine saying that to yourself? I think I I'd would... have to say something really derogatory. I look, oh, you're back again, knobhead. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I'm doing that thing again. But I've I've never... never... I don't think that's a problem, though. I always recognise when I'm being dumb and like thinking of stuff like but you wouldn't if you're anxious though my love it's like yeah because everything i'm not it's the panic to understand because i don't have an anxiety disorder but i've seen people that that do um and it's like it's an override mm. you can see it and it's like that instant mm-hmm. terror which controls all other uh, sort of logical thought processes even if they're really fucking intelligent people like so are they able at that point to stand aside and say hey wait a minute catastrophic thought i, I think see it what comes you're trying practice, to do though, doesn't it okay if you like hit it before it gets to be like a big crisis yeah maybe yeah well, i think that makes sense so noticing that the thought is in your brain in fact catastrophic instead of rational help recognize that it's a cognitive distortion meaning it's not rooted in fact or logic And you don't have to fall down the rabbit hole of negative what-ifs. Remember, most catastrophic thoughts we have will never happen. Most. It says most. What do they mean by most? (laughs) What's the most? (laughs) (laughs) 86.5% of your catastrophic thoughts will happen. I'm so sorry, guys, if you have that anxiety. But, you know, she's not helping. I'm not. Don't listen to me. I'm an idiot. Like, (laughs) please don't listen to me. So... Control what you can and try to accept what you can't. So this harkens back to our radical acceptance thing. Even though so much feels uncertain and out of our control, remember that you do have the tools and knowledge to protect protect yourself in the best of your ability. Hell yeah. To maximise that control, we recommend planning ahead for any um, outing, seeing as we think more clearly when we are in a heightened state of anxiety. You can even make a mental or physical checklist reminding yourself of the basic proactive steps that you can take that are in your control, which we'll cover in a bit. So when you do become anxious, just have a look back on the list and say, "Okay, these are things I need to do and I can do this. So then working on practical acceptance, which is admittedly said and done, still trying to accept the fact that things are uncertain. So instead, you can focus on accepting that there might be some anxiety around the situation and what you can do to ease the anxiety when it arises. So the relaxation technique before you head out. If you find yourself getting really worked up as your plans are approaching and you're getting ready to leave the house, actively engaging in relaxation techniques can be really helpful. So taking a few minutes to before you head out the door or or just to centre yourself. So you can do this by taking some deep breaths, listening to guided meditation on YouTube or a meditation app. Guided meditations are so good. We use them with work. Doing one of these um, and other grounding exercises, these kind of really relaxation techniques are here to help you and stay in the here and now rather than to worry about them falling into the traps of what ifs. Yeah, like, I mean, there's just so much on like YouTube and stuff that you can find like little like maybe mini yoga sessions or like just some little, fantastic stuff. Just anything. Like even oh man. I've got to give a couple of plugs though, because this is this is my bread and butter at work. There mm. is a app called Insight Timer. Okay. And it's got loads of meditation. It's it's got links to loads of different topics, um, like yoga, CBT exercises, um, 
some of the DBT, dialectical behavioural therapy principle techniques. There's just so much on there. It's a brilliant app. It's got like a little gold bowl as a symbol. Okay, what's it called again? Insight Timer. Insight Timer. And it's on Apple and fucking what else. And then you purchase your quality apps. (laughs) And then you've got Headspace, which I bang on about all the time. It's fucking brilliant. As students, we get it on a cheap on Spotify as well. Yeah, it's there's so many things like I find it really difficult getting sleep sometimes because I have night terrors sometimes. Mm-hmm. So Aww. I put on some of the relaxation stuff. Aww. And they've got nice music that you can just drift off to because I hate silence. It makes me really panicked. Yeah. So it's just nice to have things. You should there. just have me like soothe you to sleep with my. Yeah. <laughs> I find I don't have any anxiety issues, but I find that if. I don't have enough oomph to do like a whole yoga session or a workout or whatever. Just doing like 10 minutes of like literal balance. Like, mm. you know, where you stand on one foot, you can do a tree pose in yoga. Like you can find like little YouTube videos of just like standing balance exercises yeah. because you're so focused on just staying upright and like the strength you really discover your strength and grounding when you're doing these. And it's just like, mm. Because you can't, you can't really think about much else when you're trying not to fall on your fucking face. And I find that that's a really great quick, like, meditation. Because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm too, like, uh, for, me- for meditation, I'm too, like, I just think of everything. So Yeah. But I think, because this, this is personally quite important to me. So someone I care about that has really bad health anxiety at the moment. Mm. And... <sighs> As much as you must know that it's not a logical thought process to have, it it wouldn't feel any less real. And watching someone go through that is really quite it's it's upsetting oh. because you can see that person's in so much like an overdrive almost. It's when all of the senses become so heightened because you're in that state of survival. Mm-hmm. You're in that survival mode, and your your body and your mind is telling you there's threat around all the time. Mm-hmm. When in reality, yes, there is fucking threat. There is lots of threat at the moment. Yeah. But it's trying to work out which ones you have control over and which ones you don't. As long as you do you, you know, like, there's nothing else that you can do, really, is there? Definitely. Because, you know, you can't predict. It's like, you know, we always talk about you can't predict what's going to happen to you, but you can predict how you react to it. And Mm. that's so true with this, all of this. Like, you can't predict how some crazy person not wearing a mask is going to come up to you and like cough on you or something. Yeah. But you can predict, you know, you can try to plan your route. Like this thing says, you can try to plan your, you know, your outing. You can try to get that mentality and yeah, it must be so difficult. And I really feel for anybody that has health anxiety right now because it's so much more, it's always, there's always health threats, always, you Mm. know, even, just flu season normally, um, you know, just whatever. There's so much we can pick up just from being around, but now that, it's so real. Like, I, I mean, it's not mentioned there, but I guess a large part of this as well is not isolating yourself off too much. And I know it sounds really... I know, it's con- like the con- government's like, stay at home. And then it's like, wait, don't. <sighs> but You it, can go out, you can go out, Yeah. you know, for there's no time limit this time. Last time we had the, remember it was like an hour max outside your house. Yeah. Now there's no time limit. So, you know, if you are, find yourself furloughed, find yourself, you know, 
maybe try to plan a little route for a walk or something like just and if some things make you feel safer Mm. you know as long as they're not destructive things then gravitate towards those things because we all need to get security where we can at the moment definitely and I don't think anyone would you know we've fuck me we have no place to judge anyone else on how you feel safe at the moment you know what I mean just Mm. let's just get by yes (laughs) let's do it so that leads really nicely onto dying, doesn't Yay, it? Let's oh. talk about death. So we went from calming people's anxieties to talking about people who have died from fear and how you can actually die of fear. And I'm going to do this by talking about voodoo. So let's teach people how to not be frightened and then push the fucking button. Exactly. Trigger. This is very specific fear. Okay. So I'm talking about victims of voodoo. Now, when I say voodoo, I don't mean to be offensive. I'm obviously not referring to the specific spiritual practices of certain people. The main article that I got that I'm going to talk about is from 1942. And so it, you do some proper credible research, (laughs) don't you? (laughs) This article would never have been published today. Mm. It is this guy, Walter Cannon wrote an article called voodoo death. And his whole premise was why do some people die of fear? Basically Mm. how and why? And he kind of sowed the seeds for this study. And what he, it turns out what he said wasn't actually wrong. He just went about it in a bit of a, you know, what they knew in 1942. And also he was a little bit racist. A bit of a clunky racist sort yeah. of way. His yeah. intentions were good. <laughs> uh, yeah. Ish. I mean, and that goes with the whole thing of like, what do we do with research that's, that's racist? racist. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to talk about his article with a grain of salt. I'm going to say that I do not endorse or approve of his views of indigenous people or African people. Um, (laughs) Any people. And yeah, so, but it'll all come together. So voodoo death. I'm going to talk about a few people who apparently died from curses So it's not just voodoo we're talking about. We're talking about curses in general. First, with regard to South America, we we observed instances of death among the Tupanambas Indians, death induced by fright when men were condemned and sentenced by a so-called medicine man. Among Brazilian Indian tribes, the members lacking knowledge accept without question whatever is told them. Thus, the chief or medicine man gains the reputation of exercising supernatural power, and by intimidation or by terrifying augury or prediction, he may cause death from fear. There is a testimony from Africa. I have seen more than one hardened old Hassa soldier dying steadily and by inches because he believed himself to be bewitched. No nourishment or medicines that were given to him had the slightest effect either to check the mischief or improve his condition in any way, and nothing was able to divert him from a fate which he considered inevitable. So these people are being observed. And this is very anecdotal, quote unquote, evidence. Mm. This is another reason why this article wouldn't be published today, besides the um, racism. But I find this quite interesting. I'm actually meant to be in Salem at the moment. Ah. Yeah. 
Fuck you, so kid. these are people that have been cursed and die apparently for no other reason than they think that they are going to die. Yeah. Another instance of death wrought by superstitious fear in an African tribe is reported by Marola on his voyage to the Congo in 1682. A young man on a journey lodged in a friend's house for the night. The friend had prepared for their breakfast a wild hen, a food strictly banned by a rule which must be observed by the immature. The young fellow demanded whether it was indeed a wild hen, and when the host answered no, he ate of it heartily and proceeded on his way. A few hours later, when the two met again, the old friend asked the younger man if he would eat wild hen. He answered that he had been solemnly charged by a wizard not to eat that food. Thereupon the host began to laugh and asked him why he refused it now, after having eaten it at the table before. On hearing this news, the man immediately began to tremble. So greatly was he possessed by fear, and in less than 24 hours was dead. Salmonella. <laughs> wow, thank you, Dr. Rachel. <laughs> that reminds me of Drew and his... um. Gaius of yeah. how he's not he doesn't eat chicken yeah for his religion and he says now that you know he used to eat chicken all the time he used to love what's, a KFC what's, what's about that what why doesn't he um so because he's he's like a he's a, he's explained to me before he's an elitist pagan so like no he's a <laughs> correct <laughs> pagan <laughs> he he goes off of. Like, as much Celtic history as can be gleaned, basically. He's dedicated. He is very dedicated. And he doesn't eat chicken. It's just something about sacrifice, really. He's explained to me before, and I don't remember the exact details, but it's just something that he can... Maybe Drewson can put, like, a two-second sound bite in, just explaining what the chicken things are. Yes, please, Drew. Are you sure you want to start a precedent of me dropping in like a voice from above while I'm editing? All right, short and sweet as possible. Julius Caesar wrote that the ancient Celts would not partake in the flesh of the cockerel, the goose, or the hare because they were sacred to their gods. For the first five years of my life as a pagan, I avoided eating those until I realised after lots more research that most of what Caesar wrote was propaganda at best and absolute rubbish at worst. Uh, for some examples of that, look up his account of the hunting of elk in the forests of northern Gaul. Anyway, after five years, whereas goose and hare, as you can imagine, hadn't really been a problem, eating chicken just felt wrong. So I took it upon myself as a personal gesh. A gesh is an Irish word that is effectively a taboo. And if you break your gesh, it will bring a doom upon you. So it is my personal dedication to my gods on a daily basis that I will not eat flesh of chicken. But it's not a universal pagan thing. There are many pagans who will happily eat chicken. It's just my personal guess. Would I die if I broke it? Possibly. Well, I wouldn't think I would die because I'm certain I would die. I would consider that I would be likely to receive misfortune as it would likely attract the attention of my gods as a perceived slight or insult because I'd gone back on a vow to dedicate that aspect of my life to them. Anyway, I hope that clears things up a bit. As you were. <laughs> Thanks, Drew. That was really interesting. <laughs> No, but he says now that if he, if I gave him dinner, which I wouldn't do this because it'd be horrible, but if I gave him something and he ate it and I said, that's got chicken in it, he, he would feel sick. He would feel sick completely. So like, yeah, I can see that, but maybe not die, but (laughs) 
Also in New Zealand, there are tales of death induced by ghostly power. There is an account of a Maori woman who, having eaten some fruit, was told that it had been taken from a tabooed place. She exclaimed that the sanctity of the chief had been profaned and that his spirit would kill her. The incident occurred in the afternoon. The next day, about 12 o'clock, she was dead. The taboo among the Maoris of New Zealand is an awful weapon. I have seen a strong young man die the same day he was tapowed. So that's the, the word for taboo. Tapowed? Tapowed. Tapowed! Uh, it's like T-A-P-U-E-D. Okay. The victims die under it as though their strength ran out as water. It appears that among these aborigines, superstitions associated with their sacred chiefs are a true, though purely imaginary barrier. Uh, let's skip that imaginary, judgmental yeah. word choice there. Transgression of that barrier entails the death of the transgressor whenever he becomes aware of what he's done. It is a fatal power of the imagination working through unmitigated terror. I love that last yep. sentence. So one more. A, another, I assume, white man wrote in his book, The Australian Aboriginal, 1925, about the horrifying effect of bone pointing on, on the aboriginals. Aborigines? Aboriginals. The indigenous Australians, yes. let us say. So the man discovers that he is being boned by any enemy. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So a man discovers that a, he has had a bone pointed at him by an enemy. is indeed a pitiable sight. He stands aghast with his eyes staring at the treacherous pointer. And with his hands lifted as though to ward off the lethal medium which he imagines is pouring into his body. Yikes. His cheeks blanch and his eyes become glassy and the expression on his face becomes horribly distorted. He attempts to shriek, but usually the sound chokes in his throat and all that one might see is froth at his mouth. His body begins to tremble and the muscles twist involuntarily. He sways backwards and falls to the ground and after a short time appears to be in a swoon. But soon after he writhes as in mortal agony and covering his face with his hands begins to moan. After a while, he becomes very composed and crawls to his whirly... I assume that's a hut I just, or a house. Second. It just sounds like he's having a really, really strong orgasm. <laughs> this is serious. Sorry. That he has been boned by an enemy. <laughs> and he liked it. From this time onwards, he sickens and frets, refusing to eat and keeping aloof from the daily affairs of the tribe. Unless help is forthcoming in the shape of a counter charm administered by the hands of a medicine man, his death is only a matter of comparatively short time. If the coming of the medicine man is opportune, he might be saved. It's <laughs> so, interesting. I like these. It's, it is interesting. Um, like I said, they're all anecdotal. It's not, it's like once I read in a book from 1920 that some guy died. Like, but the thought is there. Like, and there are so many of these stories mm. of people getting cursed and then dying for literally no other reason. I just smashed my mug into my teeth. I cursed you to Ow, do that. Oh, fuck. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bone you. So, an article by Esther Sternberg called Walter B. Cannon and Voodoo Death, a perspective from 60 years on from the American Journal of Public Health and Coco Ballantyne article in the Scientific American called Can a Person Be Scared to Death? That's a great name, though. 
Yeah. Coco Valentine. Coco Valentine. I love it. So when Walter Cannon wrote about the phenomenon of voodoo death almost 60 years ago in 1942, he was writing as a scientist at the time. He was racist, ignorant, and made stereotypical and insulting presumptions about Native people. Yep. I think he said at one point that he tried to determine if poison was the reason that these people were dying. Yeah. And he said, he actually said that he had it on good authority that the Australian Aboriginal people were too primitive to use poison. Oh, for fuck's sake. And I'm like, people, that's like the first thing you learn as a human being. Is yes. Like, this tastes bitter. It will kill me if I eat it. Like, people use poison and drugs and everything since yeah. the beginning of time. Ugh. Really comprehensively. Yeah, anyway. However, <laughs> the idea of a death caused by fear, or quote-unquote voodoo, which none of these examples were actually voodoo, but <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting word, I guess, is not preposterous. And since then, science hasn't disproven his theory, but rather helped to explain it more. The article would never pass review today and is filled with incredible anecdotes about voodoo death and attempts to explain the psychology behind death through fear when no other cause like toxins, injury, etc. are present. Neuroscience and medicine have advanced to explain how somebody could die after having a bone pointed at them. Through a complex series of reactions we'll call the vision to fear pathway. So, say I grew up in a culture where I've been taught with deadly seriousness that having a bone pointed at me as a curse will lead to my horrible death. I'm out walking around and I accidentally step on an old man's foot and he looks at me, eyes full of malice, and thrusts a sharpened bone in my face. The sight of the bone travels to the part of my brain that processes the emotional component of fear, the amygdala. So chemical signals like neurotransmitters are translated into electric impulses, which are conveyed along nerve fibers. And the interesting thing is, of course, that's our fear reaction for anything. But when we learn to fear something, when we know that we are supposed to be afraid of this, that it will cause death, something like someone pointing a bone at me, there are permanent changes in the shape and wiring of the nerve cells that make it more likely the next time that we see this fearful stimulus, our nervous system will actually react to it more quickly. So it'll be very sudden. If I was from a culture where a bone pointing at you didn't mean anything, somebody could do it and I'd be like, meh, okay. But if I've been literally brought up saying this will kill you instantly, so I guess it's like being brought up in a Christian household, isn't it? Where they tell you, you know, the occasional irrational thing. <laughs> kind of, but... <laughs> I, I mean, I, may, I say that as my mum. Like, she she wouldn't let us go trick-or-treating or anything. Because she was really matriarchal in those, those days with her godliness. Mm. But they don't tell you that those things will kill you outright. No. I mean, they say, you know... If you wank, it might kill you, though. Or you'll go blind. <laughs> well... Don't have a wank or you'll go blind. Wow. Yeah. So then you fear, you learn to fear the wink. You just learn to accept the fact you're going to be blind. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to see the feel down there. So. so, as I know to be afraid of a bone pointing at me, I have a very quick hormonal stress response. So a cascade of hormones released from my brain, pituitary gland, and adrenal gland within minutes. This includes adrenaline and cortisol, which are our fl flight or fight hormones. 
So you know about the whole flight or fight thing. The autonomic or involuntary nervous system responds by increasing the heart rate, increasing the blood flow to the muscles, dilating the pupils, and slowing digestion, among other things. So if you have to fight or run away from a predator like an aggressive jaguar, then things like not digesting your food, you know, and having big pupils so you can see things, are it's a good thing. However, in the modern world, there's really not much advantage to having this fight or flight response. I think it's like that's sorry, I just totally jumped in there. No, it's fine. Um there's there's not actually just a fight or flight. It's flight, fight, freeze or fawn. Fawn? Fawn. Is that like when you like try to join with the thing that you're scared of or no, like fawning like yeah fawning is like worshipping something yeah it's it's basically like kissing the ass of the thing you're frightened of oh yeah but i'm talking like in i feel like the fawning is more of like a i don't think you'd instantly drop to your knees and be like oh you're so amazing yeah exactly <laughs> no you wouldn't but i I've feel seen... like that's more strategy than anything yeah well it's clever yeah the freeze thing yeah is... the freeze thing sure but it's like with with if you look in like the natural world, mm-hmm. animals will purge themselves Ugh. before they they have to like escape a predator. Well, yeah, I mean the whole like I'm so scared I shit myself. Like you know that's not. Yeah, it's your body trying to make you fucking lighter. Yeah, so you can run. Yeah. So basically, you're revving up your nervous system, and too much of that is not good. So adrenaline, that flight or fight hormone, lands on the receptors of cardiac myocytes, which are heart muscle cells. And this causes calcium channels in the membranes of those cells to open. Calcium ions then rush into the heart cells, and this causes the heart muscle to contract a lot. If it's a massive, overwhelming storm of adrenaline, calcium just keeps pouring in, and your heart muscle can't relax. And like any muscle, it can wear out. Oh, I just had a little ping of of heart muscle. (laughs) It was just... (laughs) It's talking about the dog, Karen. <laughs> there is this specially adapted system of muscle and nerve tissue in the heart, the sinoatrial node, so the SA node, and the Purkinje fibers, which set the rhythm of the heart. So the SA nodes at the top, that's where your first electric impulse comes in. The Purkinje fibers are at the bottom that kind of pull those ventricles. So if this system is overwhelmed with adrenaline, the heart can go into abnormal rhythms that are not compatible with life ventricular fibrillation so that you're basically your lower chambers of your heart vibrate and can't deliver blood to your body you will drop dead Hmm. so when we talk about people needing cpr people having cardiac arrest your heart's not stopped usually Hmm. it's not just like done like you, you usually have vf ventricular fibrillation so your heart is beating, kind of, but not in any... It's moving, basically. It's not in a way that's going to pump anything. It's not going to sustain life. It's kind of like freaking out. And the shocks are there to stop that's the heart. you're making a little octopus hand. Well, that's why... That's what you do it. If you go to nursing school and they talk about VF, literally, that's what they do. This is so what your, your heart looks like. pointing downward with your fingers waggling. Yes, that's the like international... octopus hand. Yes. Octopus heart from that first episode. Yeah. Well, first episode. Octopus pop. Yeah. Hot heart. Yeah. That's the international like nursing school VF. Oh. Your heart's twitching around, but it's not doing jack shit. 
you're going to shock it to stop it. And then hopefully when it kicks back in, it will go it's into in time. A, yeah, exactly. So Cannon didn't include this in his scenarios of the possible causes of voodoo death because they didn't know this then. So basically, yeah, we take his article. It's got some great fun stories in it. A little bit racist. <laughs> the no. use of the word voodoo is just sensational because it doesn't actually involve any voodoo. It's mostly curses. So yeah. death from curses in different cultures. He tried to explain why it happened, didn't really succeed, but he had the basic idea of that people were actually dying from fear. And that is how you die from fear. And it's actually quite a complex little fear reaction thing. And yeah, just be careful next time you're out and about and somebody wants to point a bone at you. Then just soil yourself and then you're quicker to run. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So. So tough questions. Yes. I got one. Oh, go on. Yep. Are you in any way afraid of being buried alive? I think fucking anyone is, aren't they? That's some shit you don't need to happen. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I am. What steps are you taking to prevent yourself from being buried alive? Get one of those bells. I'd I'd love to see a grave. Are they they a myth? Uh, So... There are various patents that exist. And we're talking about the bells that were apparently placed on the outsides yeah. of graves during the Black Death, were they? Sorry. No, this was like Victorians. Oh, the Victorians were, of, were yeah. terrified of being buried alive. Mm. And I think they were the bells were in use. Unfortunately, as people soon found out, decomposition makes people move around. Oh shit! Imagine so, walking through a graveyard and just hearing bells ring. Back. Yeah, I don't think they actually saved anyone. I've not seen an example of an actual bell. I don't know if any still are around. I've seen patents for bells, and I've seen a replica of one in the funeral museum in Austria. But I don't think they that you can find any today. I don't know how prevalent they were. I know there were there were like windows. Mm. So yeah, like, we see. Yeah, yeah, you can see like. Just check out if the person's still. That's older. one thing we could probably post up about. She says really interesting. There was um, I don't know whether there were gentry or something or, but this lady she was basically so shit scared of being buried alive. She had a huge column from her grave mm. up to you know land, mm. and had glass put across the top of it. And yeah. after time, like condensation, it all got funked up with like dead person juices. Oh. But yeah, you'd see down there. And you were like, hi. Hello. Hi, not dead. Yeah. So you are you going to get buried? Um, I am going to donate my body to medical science. What's your backup plan? What do you mean? You have to have a backup plan. But with the bits, the bits that are left over, I want to be buried underneath. No, they might not take your body. But if they don't take my body, I'll just get fucked underneath a tree. Like, well, you need, like I said, you need to make a backup plan. They don't take bodies for lots of reasons. No, but if they don't take my body, it's just going with back with what I wanted anyway, is I want to be buried with a tree. Okay. So, you know, even if it's it's woo, I believe that my my essence will then go into this tree. Well, it depends. If the tree's Definitely. really young, you'll probably kill it with your oh, decomposition. Stop it. <laughs> I'm just being realistic. Do you want your relatives to be sad over a dying tree or 
well, let's not get plant it. the tree somewhere else or wait for a little while after you've rotted, then plant the tree. Okay, cool. Well, when I die, then you can still, advise people. You'll still have bits in the soil and everything. It's That's fine. Cool. Yeah. Um, tough questions. Thinking about fear. Ah. Hmm. What film frightened you most when you were a child? Okay. Child. Were you once in child form, Nicole? <laughs> like, <laughs> did you just metamorphosize into this? I one? sprang fully formed from the head of my father. No. Um. There was okay. So this is weird, but. <laughs> And I still think of this scene. I remember when I was a kid, for some reason, I caught a bit of this movie. And if anybody out there knows what this movie actually is, please tell me, because I have searched and I cannot find it. So I remember there being murderous dolls, a bunch of little ones. It wasn't Chucky. It was like a bunch of little scary, creepy dolls that were alive. And they were trying to kill people, but then they got killed. I remember them exploding and it was like black. I don't, it's really weird, but I still remember this scene. Like it really, like I kept thinking about it when I was a kid. I only caught like a bit of this movie as well. I don't know where mm. I was or anything, but I'm still thinking about it. That's where you capture a glimpse of it. Yeah, exactly. And I remember that really scared me. When I was a little bit older, the ring really scared me. Really? Yeah. Like the American version, not even the Japanese version. Mm. Do you want to know what mine was? What? Return to Oz. Aww. Do you know that thing where they where she got she changes her heads, the queen? She yeah. changed Oh fuck that fucked me up for a good two years, honestly. Like Wizard of Oz itself is a scary, pretty yeah. scary. But movie. Return to Oz with her fucking heads. Hmm. No. That's mm. not okay. Yeah, so I don't have a satisfying answer for that because I don't even know what the movie was or anything. I think we should maybe write, request it. that. Yeah. I think someone needs to find that out. Please. Little doll. Little Creepy dolls, dolls that puff into blackness when they're dead. Yeah. Not blackness, like, not puff, like, they were, like, ground. Oh, they went to dirt. Kind of, yeah. Oh, shit. Maybe they were filled with dirt. I don't know. I'm just inventing this Creepy dirt-filled murderous <laughs> tiny doll film. Find this so I can watch it now and be like, that's not that scary. And then it's out of my brain forever. There you go. Get Yay. rid of her brain, Weevil. Yes, thank you. Right. Yeah. Well, thank you. I have enjoyed going through anxiety and fear and voodoo with you. <laughs> Do you? I've enjoyed, enjoyed triggering you for the week. Yes, thank you. Everyone, have a great time. Don't get too scared. Don't die. Don't die. That's... Stay calm. Keep calm and stay locked know. down. Stay locked down. Wear a mask. <sighs> Wash your hands. I'm going to have to drink neighbor. some Jack Daniels. Fuck this. Love your neighbor. Don't drink too much. Love you. Bye. Bye.
Hey guys, uh, we love talking to you on the Life Until Death podcast, but we'd also love to hear from you too. Communication is a two-way street. So if you've got any tough questions that you want us to ask each other and make us feel uncomfortable, please send them in. Anything to do with mental health or death um, or whatever, really. Nothing uh, about sex lives or anything like that, guys, because my mom listens to this and she'll kick your ass online. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Don't be gross. Um, <laughs> if you have any other uh comments questions or criticisms about the things that we've talked about or if there's something you really really desperately want us to talk about please please tell us on our facebook page send us an email you know however you want to get in contact with us please do so because we would love to hear from you thanks